Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. I woke up at 3.57 this morning. I was ready to go. Um, this message series is vital. And, uh, and literally, I woke up at 3.57 and I started praying. One of the things I prayed was that somebody would show up today because I knew, I looked at my thermometer as minus two at that time. And after I went out and snowblowed my driveway, uh, and it still wasn't even six o'clock yet, by the time I was done with that, um, it was minus six. And I was thinking, maybe nobody will come today because uh, I, I believe something very important about the, the world around us, and that is something that people who only believe in the natural worldview don't believe, that there's something more. You see, if you subscribe to the natural worldview, what you believe is only what you see and hear and touch and taste and smell, that's what's real, and everything else isn't real. There's nothing else. That's it. And there are a lot of people in the world, a lot of people in America have that worldview. And we talked about that when we had our Christmas at the Movies series, you know, that there are three basic worldviews. There's that one, the, the natural, and then there's the um, magical worldview, which basically is the natural worldview, but it has an addition. It says that there are ways that we can manipulate the natural through potions and spells and incantations, and, and, and through that we can make things look bigger than natural. And, and as I've been saying the last couple, that's really not real. But okay, so then there's the supernatural. The, the worldview, the supernatural worldview says this, that there are things we can't see that are more real than the things that we can see. That there's a God who created everything and we can't see him. And that God has a son who for a period of time, we believe about 33 years, came to the earth and he was able to be seen because he took on flesh. He became, in fact, um, incarnation literally means taking on flesh. And Jesus, the son of the living God, came into our reality, our natural realm, but he was anything but just natural. He was natural, but he was able to walk on water when it wasn't minus six degrees below zero, you know, when it was warm out. He was able to heal sick people without any medicine or surgery. And when they killed him, he rose from the dead. That's not natural. People don't naturally rise from the dead. And so we believe that there's a God who has a son named Jesus who died and rose again and went back to heaven and he sent his spirit to live in us. Now, the thing is, when Jesus was walking on the earth, he often spoke about this battle that was going on, a battle between God and the devil. In fact, when Jesus was baptized, he was sent out into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, a, a real being. And the thing we're going to be talking about during these six weeks during our Armor of God series is how do we equip ourselves, how do we protect ourselves from the enemy? And the first thing that we have to do if we're going to protect ourselves from the enemy is agree that there is one. You see, if, if there's a, an army over here and an army over here, and this army convinces this army that they don't exist, they have a great strategic advantage, don't they? I mean, if you don't exist, well, you do, but people think you don't, then you could come right into the camp and you could see what's all going on and you could take, you know, inventory of all the other, the other armies, military supplies and everything, and they wouldn't even know because they don't believe you exist. And that's what the devil has done. In America today, 65% of people don't believe in the devil, that, that he doesn't even exist. 65% of Americans hardly believe that evil exists. And so you have 
Two-thirds of Americans, and that includes a lot of people who call themselves Christians who don't believe the devil exists. Now, there are those who do believe the devil exists who have him as a caricature. He's this little you know, guy with a red suit on with a long tail and a pitchfork. That's not who the devil is. He wants us to think that's who he is. The devil is a guy named Lucifer. That was his original name. He was an angel. He is an angel, fallen one now, but he was one of the three chief archangels of God, and he led worship in heaven. And, and then he rebelled because he didn't want to be the worship leader. He wanted to be in charge of heaven. He wanted to be God. And so God cast him down. And, and according to scripture, the, the other, some other angels followed him and they became what we call demons. And so you have demons led by Lucifer and you have God and his angels. And then you have us. And, and first thing we have to do is acknowledge there's a spiritual battle. And so what we're going to do for six weeks is we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 10 to 18, which talks about the spiritual battle we're in. And that's what we're going to talk about today, our struggle. And then we're going to talk about the armor that God gives us to wear and the one weapon that we have, which is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Now, 17 years ago, I was the pastor of a church called Glade Run Presbyterian Church. And a common friend invited me to get to know this missionary whose name was Mark Geppert. And Mark Geppert came into my study one day, and he sat down, and I don't even remember why, but we started talking about this Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 12, actually. And he said, you know, in Ephesians 6, 10 to 12, those four spiritual forces that you read about, they are actual demons. Because the Greek text, they have definite articles, and since it's a definite article, it's a title, it's a, they're real specific demons, not just vague forces. And so... Having more than a casual acquaintance with Greek, I got out my Greek Bible off the shelf. I opened it up to Ephesians chapter 6. I looked and I went, you're right. I wonder why nobody ever told me this. And, and I, I, I said, I, I never heard this. You know, I've been a Christian since I was 12 and I never heard this before. And, and he said, well, I've been a missionary a long time and I've told pastors this all over the place. And none of them ever got their Greek Bible off the shelf and checked to see if I was right. And so we both laughed, you know, and we, we developed a friendship, and we've had a friendship that's been going on for 17 years now, and we've had a chance to engage the enemy, a real enemy, in places like, strange places like Tibet, and Cambodia, and Mars, Pennsylvania, and uh, Saxonburg, you know, places, because the enemy is, is everywhere, and what we're going to do today is we're going to turn in our Bibles, and if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to start in verse 10. We're going to read the whole passage from 10 to 18. And this is the passage that's going to be our passage for the next five weeks after today. So six weeks in all. We're going to look at the armor of God. But before we do that, uh, we're going to look today at these spiritual forces. And we're going to talk about why uh, they're real and, and why we, how we can be ready for them. So uh, let's listen to God's word, starting verse 10. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will stand, still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet, 
and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us this truth so that we can be prepared and that we can lift up prayers for all believers everywhere and that we can be praying for ourselves that we would be equipped with this armor and that we would have a knowledge of our enemy and that we would understand the victory that's ours when you are in control of our lives and you alone. So now we ask that you would fill us with your spirit that we might be bold soldiers in your army. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if we go to the original Greek text, which we don't do often here at New Life, we could do it every week, and sometimes we do it for a period of time, but, you know, sometimes, uh, and I know a lot of preachers every week, they open up their Greek Bible, and they read from it, and they tell you this word means this, and this word means that, and it's a good thing to do, but mostly here at New Life, we don't do that, mainly because we want to bring across one point that you can take out into the world, and the English translations are faithful. I don't care which one you read from. Most of the modern English translations are faithful renditions of the original Hebrew or Aramaic from the Old Testament or the Greek from the New Testament. But this morning, we're going to look at verses 10, 11, and 12. In the, well, actually, not in the original Greek, but some of the original Greek. And I'm going to give you a, a, a literal translation, best I could do, from the Greek text. So in verse 10, for example, it says this. For the rest, be empowered in the Lord and in the might of his strength. That's what I would say the Greek text says. And what the New Living Translation says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, it's very much the same. But what's happening here, a final word or for the rest, what Paul is saying is, I've already been writing to you, actually five chapters he's been writing to us. And for the rest, we're going to focus on something different. Because in the first couple of chapters, what he focuses on is, uh, in fact, Watchman Nee, a Chinese pastor of the last century, uh, wrote a book about this, this letter of Ephesians, and he called it Sit, Walk, Stand. And, and, and why he wrote it that way is because sit, the first two chapters, uh, tell us that we sit in the heavenlies. We, we sit beside Jesus Christ. And what he was saying is not already. I mean, we're not already in heaven, but what he's saying is because of our, our, our new life in Jesus Christ, because we're born again, because we belong to Jesus, one day we are going to sit. And, and Paul was saying it's like we already do. We already have that assurance that we're going to sit with him. And then chapters four and five in particular talk about walking or living in the way of Jesus. And you may remember we did a series last spring called uh, Wise and Careful Living. It's the one that made hashtag eggs and fruit famous. Some of you will remember that. But anyway, wise and careful living, chapter 5 and 6, what Paul said to the Ephesian believers and, and through them to us is that it's an evil world out there. And so we have to be wise, not foolish as we live. And one of the things that he said in those chapters is that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis, not once, but every single day of our lives. And whenever he said that, it sort of is tied up here when it says... Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power because the Holy Spirit is the, the strength and power of God in our lives. And so then the last thing Watchman Nee would say, sit, walk, stand. Stand against the enemy and stand firm because what we're told already as we read the scripture is at the end of the battle, if we wear the armor, if we use the sword, which is our only offensive weapon, we will be standing when the battle is done. And, and the victory has already been won. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But the battle is still going on. The skirmishes are still happening. So as we look further into the text, 
Paul is saying, this is the summation, this is, this is what we're going to do in order to stand firm. So the next verse, verse 11, says this, Put on the whole armor of God, so you are able to stand against the craftiness of the devil. That's how I translated it. The NLT said, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Craftiness, strategies. The Greek word actually is methodeus. Does anybody see an English word there? Methods, right? The devil has methods. The devil has strategies. The devil is crafty. You know, we think of the devil as a joke. I mean, most in our culture think of the devil as a joke. If he exists, he's, you know, this little guy with a pitchfork. No, he's crafty. He's strategic. He has methods. The devil is intentional. That's the thing that if you don't get anything else from this, there are two things I'm, I'm going to tell you at the end. One thing, this is the other. The devil is very intentional. He hates your guts and mine. And he's thinking every moment, how can I make you fall? How can I destroy you? How can I kill you? Because Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief, that is the devil, comes but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And then Jesus said, good news, I've come that you may have life in all of its abundance. And so there is a battle going on, and we can be winners. We are winners if Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior in our life. But this battle is real, and what we're told right here is the devil is intentional. He's not drifting through life like so many. He knows his time is, his time is limited because when Jesus comes back, he's done forever. And so he's using the best and the most of the time in these evil days to make us evil. That's what he wants to do, but he can't win unless we let him. Now, this is the key verse, verse 12. It says this, because our struggle is not against blood and flesh instead of flesh and blood, but against toss arcus. That's the Greek words, toss arcus, and toss is a definite article, like the, the first one. That's what it literally would be translated as, the first one. And this is a specific demon. This isn't some nebulous force, which, you know, the New Living Translation says uh, we're tra uh, evil rulers. And then the next one against Taz Exousius. Exousius. And this is the right to speak. We're going to talk about each one of these individually in a moment. But let's look at all four of them. The next one, long name, Tus Cosmocraterus Tus Tu Scatus. And, and that's the world ruler of this darkness. And then finally against Ta Pneumatica Tes Ponerias. The spirit of malice or murder. And those are the four demons, not vague forces, but demons that you might call them generals in the army of Lucifer who are out to get us, to kill us, to steal from us, to destroy us, as Jesus would put it. So you see, uh, the new, let's just look at the New Living Translation. It said, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So, here's where I got the title for today's message, which is Our Struggle. I got it from the Greek text, which says our struggle is not against. What is our struggle not against? Blood and flesh or flesh and blood. So, I've heard Mark Geppert preach or teach this message uh, in various places around the world, including here in the United States. And he always says this to the audience, to those who are listening. Uh, to the people in the Bible study. He says, right now, I want you to, to pinch yourself. Go ahead, please, pinch yourself. Everybody, is that flesh and blood? When you pinch yourself, is that flesh? Anybody not flesh when you pinch yourself? Okay, see the point? We're all flesh and blood. Our battle is what? Not against flesh and blood. 
What does that mean? Our battle's not against ourselves. And, and the devil wants us to think it is. Our devil, the devil wants us to think that we're the problem. He, he wants us to focus in on ourselves. He wants us to think, um, I'm worthless. I, I, don't, I don't matter. What's the point? Because if we focus in on us, we're not focused outward on protecting ourselves from the lies and the strategies and the methods of the devil. Now, the next thing I want you to do, you have to be very careful here, because what I want you to do now is I want you to pinch the person next to you very gently. Okay, go ahead. I'm serious. Flesh and blood. Everybody, anybody pinch somebody who wasn't flesh. Raise your hand. Okay, see the point? The person next to you is not your enemy. Listen carefully, because I'm going to say something that's the first two times I said it, people like they got dead silent in the room, okay? Your enemy and my enemy is not our spouse, our parents, our children, and our enemy is not ISIS. And you're saying, Pastor Chris, are you saying that they're not evil? No, I, they are evil. What they're doing is evil. Chopping off children's heads is evil, Right? Sometimes I'm evil, sometimes you're evil. But we're not the enemy. If, if flesh and blood is not the enemy, who's the enemy? These forces. You see, the force of evil is behind every evil thing that happens. And, and when we just look at the person and we say, if we just eliminate these people, you know, if I just get a new husband, if I just get a new wife, if I, if I could just do something with these kids, if I could send my parents off to, you know, some boarding school, everything would be fine. The, the, the challenge that we face is the devil has us believing that we're the, we're the problem. He's the problem. He's always been the problem. Ever since Adam and Eve were in the garden, it was perfect. And he came along and said, hey, did God really say? And started bringing doubts to human minds about the, the love and truth of God. And so we're going to take a look at each of these demons, these demonic forces, and, and we're going to see what they do. To convince us to hate each other. To convince us to break relationships and ultimately to destroy one another. They get us to do their handiwork. So first one is Toss Arcus, right? The Arcus. The Arcus, the first one. Anybody ever heard of archaeology? Archaeology, Greek word. The study of first things, old things, right? So what Arcus does is you go into a situation and Arcus will tell you this happens on the mission field all the time. Hey, I was here first. You don't have a right to speak here. You can't do anything here because I was here first. And you see, that happened to me in Tibet one time. I, I was talking with this person. And they said, why are you here? And I said, I'm here to tell people about Jesus. And they said, you can't do that here. I said, why not? And they said, this is a Buddhist nation. And, and it's been a Buddhist nation for thousands of years. And you don't have a right to be here because we were here first. Well, you know what? They're wrong. Because in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was Tosarchus? I don't think so. In the beginning was God. Right? In the beginning was God. God was here first. So we, wherever we go, we're first. Because God was here first. In fact, God was here before there was here. God has always existed. And so we were here first. And so wherever we go, and we don't never, ever, ever do this with pride. Never, ever do this with arrogance. But with all humility, we say, with all due respect, you weren't here first. Because there is a God who has a son whose name is Jesus. And he was first before all things. Okay, what about the next one? Taz Exousius. 
And it's translated how in English? Authorities. Now, have you ever read the Gospels? And when you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and you read about Jesus, and Jesus would teach, and it said at the end of every time Jesus taught, people would say, and they were amazed because he spoke with authority. Not like the scribes and Pharisees. The scribes and Pharisees were the religious teachers. And what they would do is they would pick up the word of God. They would read the word of God. And then they would pick up another book that said what some other preacher said. They didn't say, okay, here's what I read, but here's what I say. But Jesus, he would pick up the word of God. And then he, and actually he would say, you've heard that it was written. Where was it written? In the book of Moses, Exodus 20 to be exact. You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, the right to speak. Jesus is the Son of God, so he has the right to speak. I say to you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. What gave him the right to say that? Because he's God. He had the right to speak. Now, here's what happens with Taz Exousius. We go into a situation, and what we say is, I don't have the right to speak because I know this person's saying the wrong thing, and I should, have you ever wanted to raise your hand and say, hey, 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 that's not right? But you go, well, well, I don't have the right to speak. What right do we have to speak? Well, go to Matthew 28, 16 to 20. We call it the Great Commission. And at the end of the, the Great Commission, whenever he actually gives the commission, Jesus says this. And he says, Pasa exousius, all authority, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Then he says, so therefore you go into all the nations. You go. What's he saying? He's saying, I have all the authority and I'm giving it to you. And wherever you go, you have all the authority, the authority of God. So when somebody calls me up and says, Pastor Chris, would you do the invocation at our banquet? And I'll say, sure. And they'll say, well, but you can't use the name of Jesus when you pray. I'll say, yeah, I can. And they say, no, no, you can't do that. That's Arcus. You, you, I mean, that's Exousius. So you don't have the right to do that. You don't have the right to speak. I do have the right to speak. And, and if you won't let me speak in the name of Jesus, then I just won't speak. It's okay. I don't have to say your, ben, your invocation, your benediction, but if I do, it's going to be in the name of Jesus. And I don't do that proudly, arrogantly, humbly. Because why would I pray in the name of some generic God when Jesus is God? And he said, when you ask for anything in my name, I'll give it to you. So why would I want to pray in some general God's name? Don't want to do that. Can't do that. Because I have the right to speak, and so do you. So the next time one of your friends starts speaking up about this or that, you have the right. Will you get in trouble? You might. Because earthly authority doesn't always recognize the authority. In fact, it seems like earthly authority often recognizes Taz Exousius more than Jesus. Okay, what about the next one? He has a long name. Cosmo Craterus Tuscatus. And it's translated mighty powers in this dark world. The, the simple way of translating this, this world power, this world ruler, world ruler, cosmocratus, world ruler. What do world rulers try to do? They try to rule the world, right? And, and how do they do that? By taking stuff, right? They take land. A, a ruler says, you know, I, I think your land is better than my land, so I'm going to make your land my land. Well, now, the last one of the four, I mean, they're all, they're all deadly, but the last one is the worst, and that's uh, pneumatica tes ponerios. Let's just call them ponerios. Ponerios is the spirit of murder, the spirit of, of uh, malice. And you say, well, Pastor Chris, there's not really a spirit of murder in America, is there? Huh, really? 53 million unborn children in the last four, 50 years. 
And I want you to hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you're an evil, wicked person if you've had an abortion. What I'm saying is this. It was the spirit of Ponerios who caused you to think you had no other choice. It was the spirit of this age that told a denomination I used to be part of 40 years ago to write a piece of paper that said, it was a position paper of the whole denomination that said that abortion can be an act of faithful stewardship. That's Ponerios at work. You see, we think the devil's a joke. He's no joke. He's working hard to destroy us. Because you know why? Because he can't be God. And he can't hurt God. He can't be God and he can't hurt God. So what does he want to do? Hurt us. Because he knows something about us. God loves us. You see, he knows that God loves us so much that he was even willing to become one of us. So that we could live forever. And so that we could live forever with God and not live forever in the torment that the devil is going to experience and that his demons are going to experience and that everybody's going to experience who doesn't know that we are truly so valuable to God that he died in the man Jesus Christ and shed his innocent blood so that we could have life today and forever. So these four demons, you might not believe they're real. They are. And they might be these vague evil forces. I don't think so. But even if they are, they're of the devil. And the devil hates us. The devil does not want us to exist. He wants us to suffer in this life, and then he wants us to suffer forever. Because if we do, then God loses one of his cherished children. And God, you know what what did Jesus say? It's not the will of your Father in heaven that even one of these little ones should perish. But sometimes little ones do perish because we don't receive the life that was truly life from Jesus. So now, I want you to understand something. When Jesus died on the cross, that was the fulfillment of Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15, third chapter of the Bible. Okay, first First two chapters, it's all good, everything's perfect, everything's wonderful. Chapter 3, the devil convinces Adam and Eve to sin, and so now there's brokenness, there's pain. These demons are released into, into their you know, experience. And God looks at the devil and he says, one day, this woman's seed, that is Jesus, is going to crush your head. And he did on the cross of Jesus Christ. He crushed the devil's head. So the devil's mortally wounded. The battle is won. In Romans, it says that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. But the battle is skirmishes are still going on all over the world until Jesus returns. When Jesus returns, it's all over. The devil knows that. He knows his time is limited. And so here's what it says in verse 13. Therefore, so therefore comes from all this battle that's going on. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. So you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. That's the good news. The bad news is the devil's out to get us. The good news is he can't unless we let him. And God has given us armor. It's interesting. Look at those pieces of armor. There are shoes. There's a breastplate. There's a belt. There's a shield. There's a helmet. There's a, well, that's that's not an armor. That's a weapon. There's something I want you to notice about the, the armor there. If I turn around this way, what, what, what is, what, which piece there covers that part of my body? None. There's no butt guards. There are no butt guards in the armor of God. You know why? Because we're not supposed to run away from the devil. 
We're always supposed to face him. We, we don't have butt guards because we're not supposed to run away. Roman soldiers, if they ran away, they just killed them. So they didn't run away. You see, God isn't going to kill us if we run away, but the devil can't attack us if we run away. It's when we face him that we have victory. And so uh, let's look at this first piece of armor. It says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth. Now, this is, you know, demonstration purpose belt. If you look at my belt, my belt doesn't really serve a purpose because in the wintertime I put on a few extra pounds and my pants will stay up fine without it. But it's decoration, you know. Um, But it's only an inch wide and it really doesn't serve to protect me at all. But a Roman soldiers, and obviously the reason Paul used this image is because everybody knew what Roman soldiers were like in that day. Roman soldiers, their leather belt was like here to here. And it protected, you know, the vulnerable part of a person's body in up close confrontation. It would protect it from the physical blows of fists, from knives, and from smaller swords, okay? So, so basically, what is it that's protecting us from up close engagement with the devil? Truth. And we're not going to take a long time talking about truth this morning because we just spent five weeks. We invested five weeks in the series Anchors in the Storm, Vital Truths. For the world set adrift, right? And those truths were three weeks on Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one week on heaven, which is our ultimate destination, and then the last week, last week was just it, we talked about the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and we get to go to heaven through him. And so we have the truth, and when we have this truth protecting us, when the devil gets close, we're ready, we're, we're able to withstand. In fact, what does it say? It says, you will be able to stand. When the battle's over, we'll still be standing. So here's today's take-home point. When struggling against the forces of evil, because we will, truth prevails. When struggling against the forces of evil, truth prevails. I want you to understand something. It's very, very important. The devil is committed to our destruction. The devil is committed to our destruction. That's the bad news. The good news is, God is more committed to our salvation. God is more committed than the devil because God is eternal and he's going to live eternally. And his son Jesus died and rose again to show that the devil can kill us, but the devil can't win. The devil can kill us, but the devil can't win unless we do one simple thing, and that is to fail to get on the side of Jesus. So if you've never trusted Jesus, your Savior and Lord, you came in here today and you were in the the natural realm or the magic realm, you weren't even sure there was a supernatural realm. Or maybe you've been in the supernatural realm, but you've been on the wrong side of that. And, And you've been listening and you said, wow, you know, I never really thought about this before, but it sounds pretty real to me. Well, if it sounds pretty real to you, then then there's only one solution to the predicament in which we're in. And that is Jesus Christ. And all you have to do is ask Jesus to take over. He, he called it being born again. He said we can be born of the Spirit, which means to ask Jesus to be our Lord, which is owner, our Savior, which he saves us from our sin and death. And if you do that right now, just say, Jesus Christ, become my Savior and Lord. Come into my life. Take over. Fill me with your Spirit. That's the beginning of your enlistment, if you will, in the army of the living God. And as you walk day by day by day, the, the, the instruction book, the, the sword, the, the offensive weapon we have is the, is the Word of God. 
And, and as we do that day by day, our lives will be prepared to stand firm. Because the enemy isn't just coming, he has come. And he's going to continue until Jesus comes back. So here's today's commitment. It's pretty simple. It says this, I will wear the belt of truth this week. Now that's an image, it's a metaphor, right? So you're not actually wearing a leather belt. I know some people, and it's nothing, I'm not saying anything wrong with this. People get up and they say, I'm going to put on the belt of truth, the, you know, the breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to put on the shoes of the gospel of feet. I'm going to put on the shoes of the gospel of feet. Shoes of the gospel of peace, okay? I'm going to put on the shield of faith. I'm going to put on the helmet of salvation, you know. I'm going to get out my sword. I never take them off. They're spiritual things. When I woke up at 3.57 this morning, I was ready. Now, I'm not always ready at 3.57 in the morning, tell you. But I was, I was truly enthusiastic about being here today. I was ready at 3.57 this morning. I had all that stuff on. Because I know the devil is not a joke. I know he has no power over me unless I give it to him. I know that the battle is not against flesh and blood, so I knew that none of you were my problem today. There's a lot of pastors who don't even know that. They think, oh, you know, it wouldn't be wonderful to serve in a church if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> I think it's wonderful serving the church because of the people. Because I know there's only one enemy. He's defeated, but for the time being, he's a pain in the parts that aren't covered by the armor, right? <laughs> So, as we go out today, we can pretend that we're that helpless maiden laying across the railroad tracks of history, waiting for the isms of the world to come and roll over us. Or we can be what we are, children of the living God and soldiers in the army of the living God. It's our choice. Minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, keep going till Jesus comes back or we go see him. It's our choice. He will never force us to follow him. But when we do, he will lead us to places the devil doesn't want us to go. And he will lead us to victories that the devil not, never thought would happen. And to defeat, ultimately, the enemy of our souls. That's God's plan. That's God's purpose. And that's the only plan and the only purpose we need to consider if we live in the power of Jesus and his spirit today. So let's pray and ask that power to continue in our lives. Let's pray. Almighty God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you so much for this opportunity we have today to hear your truth. And, and for some, probably sounds strange. For others, it's like I never thought about that before. But God, we know that this is a life and death battle. And not just for this life and not for just for this death, but eternally. And so I pray for everyone in this room that we would be bold to trust you, that we would receive your spirit, that we would wear every piece of the armor, and that we would go out of here not on the defensive, but on the attack, and that we would empty hell and fill heaven in the name of Jesus. Amen.